This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Real estate has inflated, what, 20 to 50% in some areas. Stocks have gone up. Bitcoin has gone up. That is all a sign of inflation, but none of it's reported. So they're currently reporting 5.4%. I guarantee it's probably closer to 15, 18, 20%. Mm. If you have any cash sitting there and you're thinking, well, everything looks so expensive, things are just going to go up even more. This is not a financial advice, but my opinion, the best places to put your money at the moment are real estate and Bitcoin, crypto. Let's just go and see the world and just show them what it really means to live like golden. Yeah, we're golden, baby, we're golden. All right, welcome back to the Investors Podcast. We are finally out of lockdown here in Melbourne. It's good times. It is. It is good times, definitely. Does it feel weird? Yeah. To be honest, I you know, uh, I don't know. Like I haven't been out yet, <laughs> so so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. I think I think I think once everything opens up, like gyms and stuff like that, I think we'll probably start to to. I I just haven't immersed myself in the experience yet. You know, I haven't really been out. Kind of feels a little overwhelming. Yeah. Just how busy everything is and whatnot. Yeah, it's full I on. Was, I saw like a video on social media from Chapel Street. I don't know if you saw it, and it was just pumping people in the streets. They were like going on top of um, fire trucks, like <laughs> and going down the street. I was like, it's like another world because wow. we're not <laughs> party central. Yeah, crazy. Oh, I must be getting old. <laughs> that doesn't interest me anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't see myself going out and change. I never did that prior to lockdown. I think no. for me, you know, I, one thing I am looking forward to is a nice steak. You know, like going out, nice steak, maybe at the railway, something like that. So that that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. But not when you not when you realise how much it's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it, it's probably going to be worth it the first couple of times. I've right? had time to save up in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um and travel. Travel's the big one. Travel's the travel's going to be the big one. I think um everyone will probably get the bug again. I reckon once they get their first trip in. I'm already looking at booking Fiji, so yeah, it's gonna be good. I'm off to Queensland for you know after New Year, so I think once once I get that, I'll, I'll probably get the bug again. It's been a long time, <laughs> and I used to travel a lot. You know, I used to go to Bali probably yeah. once a quarter. I used, you know, I had a before literally 2020 before we went into lockdown. I was meant to be in the US for a couple of months on a doing a podcast run, um, and and just kind of enjoying it over there. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably the thing that'll come back pretty quickly. Yeah, everything's going to be so expensive initially as well, but it's also going to be really busy. doesn't appeal... Like, what's the point in going on holiday when everything's going to be so busy? I think after everything we've been through, I just want to relax. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think you're going you're gonna to have to pick your places wisely. Yeah. Yep. Like, where are you going? Which Someone I haven't really, done because I'm going to the really, Gold Coast. Half yeah. of Australia is going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, you're going to go up to the Gold Coast and everyone is just going to be out and about. You're going to feel like you're in the heart of Melbourne. Apparently, everywhere's already booked out, yeah. like for dinner and stuff like that. Yep. See, that doesn't appeal to me whatsoever, does it? Yeah. Even the fact that, even the, we were having this conversation before, just booking to go out on a weekend here. Unless you have a partner who's all over it, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. I miss the days when you could just walk in somewhere. Mm. It, it should get back to that. You know, I, yeah, I think it's maybe take some time. three months. Yeah. 
probably with travel as well, you know, let everyone do their thing and then it'll, it'll die down a little bit. Let's jump in a time machine <laughs> <laughs> for three months' time, get back to normal. <laughs> who fucking knows? Who would have thought, like, who actually would have thought when you seen COVID on the news for the very first time as just a Chinese, you know, disease and or virus, right, that we would be sitting here two years later Melburnians over over a year in lockdown, three hundred and seventy days or something. Over a year <laughs> in lockdown, three hundred and seventy days. It's been especially hard seeing everywhere else open and living their lives, and because mm. like, we're the most lockdown city in, the, in world. the world. And it's crazy to think like I I often think of like Miami, and I remember sitting there at the start like laughing at Miami, oh, like, no lockdowns, no rules, and now I'm fucking envious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the place to be. That's where it's all happening. Even here, like, in Australia, though, like, imagine being up on the Gold Coast this whole time. Well, <laughs> a lot of people did that, didn't they? Yeah. They went straight there, yeah. set up camp. That's it. Lived life. Good weather. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Hindsight. Hindsight is a bitch. <laughs> Oh, well, we're back, we're out, we're ready to go. That's it. What are we talking about today? All right, so I want to get into just valuations and and why everything is so expensive and and what to do basically if you're sitting in cash. If you've got some cash sitting in your bank account, on your balance sheet, what are you meant to do with that money? You're looking around everywhere, everything's so expensive. When you say everything is expensive, what do you mean? Like what do you, what do you what things are you talking about? Because I feel like a lot of people at the moment, like you ask me, you know, do I pay attention when I go to the shops? And and that's actually I actually wouldn't. Like mm-hmm. that's not something I would notice. Oh, I've spent this much more than what I have, mm-hmm. you know, when I went to the supermarket this time. Like I, I just you know I've got a budget, and I always work to that budget. You know what I mean? So for people out there, like you, you're saying everything's expensive. What are we talking about? I mean the frozen raspberries at the moment. They've gone from four dollars. Those fuckers have always been expensive. <laughs> <laughs> They've yeah. gone from four dollars fifty up to sixty dollars. Oh, sorry, to six dollars. Yeah, yeah. But everyone, you know, people look at that from the outside looking in, and they're like, "Oh, like it's a dollar fifty. But like, so, 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 why is that important? Like, why is that? Because, because, and what are the consequences of that? Because we obviously yeah. talk about everything, and and like, you know, the obvious answer is well, one point five dollars, you know, of four dollars is what. 20, 25% or something like that or, or around 20%, right? So so are we seeing a 20% increase on, on everything? Yeah, we're seeing between 15 and 50% increase in just about every good uh, that's on in the um, shelves in supermarkets right now. So is, um, that, is that across everything? Just about. Wow. Just about, yeah. And, it, and all your big players have uh, recently come out. Uh, we're currently going through earnings season at the moment. They're all saying that inflation um, is going to cause a lot of their goods to go up in price. And it makes sense because they're having uh, restrictions in their supply chains and you're also having um, increasing costs from labour. People aren't wanting to go back to uh, work at the moment. And if they are going back to work, they're asking for a lot more money because now they're used to a certain uh, standard of living that governments have uh, imposed on us. And so because of that, people now have these expectations that, oh, it's easier for me to just sit at home. I can potentially, I don't know, do what everyone has been doing, playing games or you could be earning money doing a bit of trading or something on the side. 
and now all of a sudden you're being told to go back to work and you're pretty much getting told to go back to work for less than what you're making just sitting on your ass. So of course they're saying, no, I want to be earning more. They're also looking at the cost of uh, their grocery bill, their energy bill, all of those sort of things are increasing. Cost of fuel as well. Mm. Cost to buy a used car. Everything's gone up in price. And so because of that, they're demanding more money from employers and then that's going to affect balance sheets and companies just uh, impose that back on the customer by increasing goods or mm. increasing the price of goods. How does that look from a macro perspective then? Like what's the, what's the bird's eye view? Like how, does, like how does this affect the everyday person and how they live and how they invest and, and, and you know, like how can – because I think that's what we probably need to do today. We need to unpack that for people. Mm-hmm. What does this look like from, a, from a, a bird's eye view so that people can actually start to navigate? Yeah, so we have this conversation all the time. If you've got any cash sitting in your bank account or if you've got it sitting on your balance sheet in your business, you need to be putting that money to work. So whether that's, uh, if it's on your business, you want to be investing and try to grow your business, bring on more clients, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, If you've got money sitting in your bank account, you're losing that purchasing power because of everything that's going on with inflation, uh, because cost of living is going up. So... Uh, realistically you need to be putting that money somewhere and the reason why I mentioned that valuation is so important because you're looking around and you're seeing stocks at an all-time high you're seeing property everywhere at an all-time high as well Uh, the cost of cars have gone up uh, and so is everything too expensive to put your money in this is why a lot of people potentially are sitting on cash but I would argue uh, that because the uh, governments are still printing money and because interest rates are still so low the only place that you can put your money is into assets that are working for you. So let's talk about interest rates then, because that's that's obviously a, a really key factor in all of this. Yeah. So, so for, for the people, you know, because because interest rates is a funny thing. Like we kind of understand it, I feel like, but but then it, it the depths of it and how it affects the macroeconomic mm-hmm. scene, right? We don't really pay too much attention to, right? Mm-hmm. Like unless you're actually that's what you do for a job, you know, or you've got some vested interest there. But for the everyday person, like John, you were saying before, right, it's like, you know, um, you know, we're talking about you know, property and how you own your property and saving on tax and tax is another thing. Like people just don't pay enough attention there. Um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm someone who hasn't in, in the past as well and, and still trying to get better at that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like paying attention to things like tax and then looking at things like interest rates, what can we like? What do what do you see as? What is that affecting, right at the moment? And and what is the bird's eye view of that kind of whole scenario? Mm-hmm. All right. So the way to look at interest rates. So the uh, central bank is the one who dictates what the price of interest rates are, but they dictate that off of the price, or sorry, I should say, off the yield of bond rates. So fixed income market, uh, which is essentially when Uh, The government comes out and issues a contract um, for pension funds, for insurance companies, for banks, for your big big tech and all these sort of companies to come in and purchase, and also uh, foreign governments as well. Uh, So they'll come in and they'll purchase these goods. And so the appetite for that over the last 40 years has just been astronomical. And so we've now seen the fixed income, the bond market grow to be a $200 trillion asset. But because so much money has been coming into that space, the yield that you actually accumulate off of those uh, bonds 
has been decreasing in price. And so because the, the interest rate or the yield, sorry, on those bonds has been decreasing, that's why we're seeing uh, interest rates just get lower and lower. And then when you factor in inflation and all these sorts of things as well, so these are just all different economic indicators um, that are put out uh, that help to, to grow the economy and these sorts of things. Can, yeah, yeah. Can you unpack bonds, right? Because I know we've done this before, but... Mm-hmm. I feel like that's confusing for the everyday person, for the for the listener. Like so, so when we're talking bonds, like explain that in in a nutshell. But it, uh, also explain why they exist and why someone, an investor, would would look at them. Why you know the and why they actually exist and who plays massive roles in in that whole kind of situation. Okay, so essentially, a bond is a contract, or. Uh, it's, it's basically a way for a government to stimulate growth. And so they might issue $100 billion in, in bonds, in fixed interest rate bonds. And so they lend you the $100 billion. Uh, you, like a, a corporation or another country will come in and they'll purchase that asset. Mm-hmm. And then the government will get an, uh, an influx of that money straight away, which they can then use to spend on infrastructure, on all sorts of different things. But they will then give you a payment, a coupon payment every single year uh, in order to, for holding on to that asset. And then at the end of the term, they will repay that back. Mm -hmm. So you'll then get your $100 billion back. But in order for for them to do that, they'll pay you that coupon payment and that's that interest rate, that Mm -hmm. hurdle rate. And so currently it's around $1.50 for that. And that's what dictates the, the interest rates from banks and all these sort of things who then lend out more and more money too. Mm-hmm. And so that is essentially what government bonds are. And typically the biggest buyer of government bonds are international governments. So the US government, for example, they will have, uh, they'll issue all of their bonds and then you might have uh, European nations, you might have Australia, you might have China come in and they'll purchase these assets um, because they'll, they'll get the yield. And then it's also a store of value for them too. And so this is why you see big pension funds, insurance companies, uh, hedge funds. They come in and they purchase them as well because they're storing that value. Um, and they're getting paid a yield on top of they're it. They're getting paid a yield on top of it. And so a lot of pension funds, they hold or their mandates dictate that they have to hold 50% of their balance sheet in bonds, which in today's current environment is actually losing them money. Mm. And so this is why we look at alternative places to invest that money and why I personally think that they'll start to look at different assets instead of bonds because as time goes on and more and more interest comes into this space, those yields are just getting lower and lower. And so so I, the parties involved, right? So what, what's their... What, like, why are they doing it, right? So then you've got, like, obviously the government uh, uh, kind of... Um, uh, I don't know, do they create these bonds? Do they... They can create them out of thin air. Cool. So they create these bonds and the reason they create the bonds is to... Stimulate, stimulate the economy. Stimulate the economy, yeah. So it's another... It's, it's basically like another... It's, it's almost like their backup plan for quantitative easing. Well, that is quantitative easing. Okay, so it's a part of it. Okay, yeah. and, and quantitative easing... It's, it's their way of manipulating economies uh, to work in their favour. The issue at the moment is because those yields are so low... And because there's a lot of pressure on the US dollar, uh, because of all the money printing that they have been doing, a lot of foreign countries aren't buying these bonds, which is their biggest market. 
And so because of that, the federal government has been purchasing their own bonds. So they've been buying bonds, putting it onto their own balance sheets, and this is why the balance sheet has expanded so much. And so this is now why we're starting to see a lot of inflation within the economy too, because there's so much money out there, uh, but because we've had a lack of productivity because people have been locked down, mm. this is why we're now starting to see everything increase in cost. So the US, so okay, so they're, they're, <laughs> they're creating bonds, right? And then they're buying their own bonds now because no one else wants to buy them. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Like, what does that mean for them, right? Like, why do they need to do that? Because they need to stimulate the economy. economy. Okay, cool. Because, so you imagine, so there's a lot of talk, everyone's saying like, all right, the solution to this is to increase interest rates. But if they increase interest rates, it's going to have two effects. That debt is going to have a lot more money um, being owed on it. And so where are they going to come up with the money to pay for that? And yeah, okay. So So, now I'm starting to piece this together, right? Because they've just recently, the US government has just recently upgraded their debt ceiling mm-hmm. right and the reason that they do that is because they probably need to purchase more of their bonds because they need to stimulate the economy they need, more they need qe to keep going because there's not enough uh, productivity within the economy and so productivity for everyone listening at home means the economy isn't growing and over the last what 20 years the amount of debt that you know the government has gone into compared to the amount of productivity the amount of growth they've created mm-hmm is 4x on the side of debt, mm-hmm. right? So, so what it means is they're becoming less efficient or less effective mm-hmm. at, pro- at producing economic growth from the money they're actually spending to do it. Yep, exactly. And the biggest, uh, biggest stimulus for productivity within an economy is the labour force. And currently we're seeing people not going back to work because they've now got used to receiving a stimulus check and they're not willing to go back to earning potentially less than what they were receiving uh, because why would they? You know, you can't just tell people to stay home and lock down uh, and then not allow them to feed themselves and that sort of thing. So this is where the stimulus checks come in. But now people have got used to that and so they don't want to go back to work for minimum wage. They're wanting to go back and to earn a higher uh, earnings because now also everything else has become more expensive. They... Like they're seeing used cars go up in price. They're seeing their grocery bill go up in price. They're seeing everything else around them go up in price. So they're expecting more, which is now putting uh, pressure on the earnings of these companies. And so this is why we're starting to see uh, a sort of pullback in the growth around the country. And now you you mix that in with the governments around the world uh, talking about tapering and then potentially increasing rates. They increase rates. We're potentially going to see a thirty to sixty percent drop in stocks. What that does, it causes unemployment to go up, and then we're just in this whole um, we're in this problem all again. And, and the reason being is because if interest rates goes up, the amount of cash that people have, you know, like it's not so like that's increasing. They have to deploy that into. You know what, like you know, we're talking mortgages, we're talking these kind of things. Which 50, means fifty to seventy percent of people's earnings is spent on their mortgage or their rent. Mm. If you add on an extra one percent or something like that, if they increase interest rates, that's going to have a profound effect on people's ability to save. And then, if that happens, 
they're less uh, likely to go out and spend that money and strengthen and, and stimulate the economy in that way. So they'll be less likely to go out and purchase goods and services, eat out at restaurants and that sort of thing because they'll want to hoard that money in case uh, they, they potentially lose their job or something like that. And so this is where this, um, there's pressure on the government because if they do the wrong thing, they could topple this whole thing over. And that, that's, that, that's probably the big takeaway from all of that is that that's really what the government's trying to, to do. They're, they're trying to navigate this space so that we don't go into a depression, exactly. so we don't go into recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only really one answer for them. It's just to continue printing money because that's the only way that they're going to be able to, to allow the economy to, to grow at its current rate. And what happens if they don't print money? So if they don't like, print so, money, because I'm thinking of it like there's a gun to these, there's a gun to their head, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the way I look at it. Is like from everything we've just talked about, it sounds like there's a gun to their head that hey, if you slow this down or if you, you know, it's like speed. Mm-hmm. Anyone seen the movie Speed? That's what I'm fucking thinking of. It's mm-hmm. like this guy's got a fucking bu- a bomb. On, uh, on the bus and if you go under 80 we're going to blow this fucking thing up you know what I mean but, and yeah. the government is that guy what's his name Keanu Reeves right yeah. <laughs> and then like the fucking and, and the economy is fucking that grey haired guy who's just fucking trying to kill everybody because he's angry <laughs> you know what I mean like that's what I think right that's how I think about this it's like there's a gun to their head and it's like cool mm-hmm. get this wrong I'm going to blow your brains out mm-hmm. so the the reason why, so yes, that is uh, what probably needs to happen. We probably need uh, for the liquidity within the markets to, to decrease. But as, as soon as they do that, we're going to see uh, potentially stagflation, which we talked about last week, which is when uh, you have a period of really high inflation. Like inflation's here to stay. Like that's not going to go away. All of these supply chain issues is not going away anytime soon. And so... If they do that and then growth starts to stagnate, you're then going to see a period where there's stagflation, uh, so really high inflation rate, and that only benefits the rich. That, that has a negative impact on the poor or, or your, your middle class, and so they can't afford to have that go on either. You know, and we'll most likely see that. Like that. That's the only real solution is we're going to see a period of stagflation over the next 10 years or so. Uh, and so in times like that, uh, your cash that you have sitting in your bank account is just going to get shredded. Evaporated. Evaporated because inflation is a hidden tax on your money. We were having this conversation before. Like, does, Do people in your, in your family realise that um, this money is evaporating your purchasing power? But m- most people don't view it that way. They just think, oh, no, who ever pays attention to inflation? <laughs> No, <laughs> nobody. And even the figures that they report is just they they, they pick and choose which uh, indicators to put into that portfolio of goods and services. They don't put property in, do they? They do. They do. They put a certain but they put in uh, predetermined places, and it's only on rental um, prices as well. And so rental prices typically dr- uh, lag uh, the inflation amongst other goods. I could pick any asset class and, tell, and show you where inflation is. Like, we can look at real estate, for example. Real estate has inflated, what, 20 to 50% in some areas. Uh, I can look at used cars. Uh, they have gone up. Timber, oil. Uh, what else has gone up? Just about everything. Stocks have gone up. Bitcoin has gone up. That is all a sign of inflation. 
but none of it's reported. So they're currently reporting 5.4%. I guarantee it's probably closer to 15, 18, 20%. Mm. And so when you factor that in, your money's just getting burnt. And so if you have any cash sitting there and you're thinking, well, everything looks so expensive, things are just going to go up even more. And so this is why I was saying, like, you need to be putting your money to work. And in my opinion, this is not a financial advice, but my opinion, the best places to put your money at the moment are real estate and Bitcoin, crypto. Stocks are very expensive. If you are going to purchase stocks, I'd probably look at more of your value plays, potentially. So you'd be looking at your financials and your energy companies because they typically do well in an inflationary environment. Growth will continue, like as in tech companies and that sort of thing, they will continue because they're deflationary, but they also are dictated by interest rate yields. And so those yields are currently on the rise because there's less money going into bonds at the moment. This all plays back to, to the interest rates. Uh, and so interest rate pretty much dictates everything. And so interest rates is something that I follow all the time. Uh, because if you can look at that and you can look at um, a period where bond yields are going to increase, typically stocks, especially growth stocks, will sell off during that time because their current cash flows are priced in based on those uh, future um, earnings. And so that's how that's all calculated. It's become very technical all of a sudden. <laughs> no, I mean, I, and again, like this is the stuff that the everyday person doesn't think about. No. You know, like they, like we, we kind of, again, like we understand interest rates a little bit, like more so from a property perspective and, and so on, but we don't understand how it affects everything else, you know, and, and how it affects what stocks you pick or what assets you are choosing, right? So I think that it's, it's important. How does, a, how does a company like Tesla factor into this right like they just you know they they, they hit a trillion dollar market cap for mm-hmm. you know a millisecond or, or whatever it was but mm-hmm. but you know they are a a, a growth company mm-hmm. um how do how do they factor in like how does someone think about tesla during this time okay so they're they're an interesting case because they are currently exploring uh, a couple of innovations that are deflationary uh, in nature because of rights law and uh, they also benefit from Metcalfe's law too, which is your network effect. But Wright's law essentially says that as technology improves, it decreases the costs uh, of producing those goods and services. And so in doing so, they can bring down the cost, make it more affordable for, uh, for your everyday people. And so you see that in their business model. They brought out their Tesla Roadster initially, which was a high-cost car for your elites, and then all of a sudden they've started shifting that down as their technology improves, as their battery tech improves. And so that's how they were able to bring out the Model S at a more cheaper price. Then they also brought out the the most recent one, their Model 3, uh, which they've now miraculously, they've been able to uh, bring that to mass production. Uh, but you see their product just get better and better. And so this is why they're considered more of a tech company and more of an AI company because all of the data that they gather from those cards being on a, out on the road, they can then continually improve that technology, 
bringing down the cost of those cars as well. They're literally the Apple of the car industry, right? Like that's what makes Apple so great. It's like the, they just like they literally get so much data from us being on our phones all the time that it's it's like they just literally have to use that data to improve the product by maybe 5% every single year. Like every single iPhone gets better, every single laptop gets better every single apple watch gets better because of that data yeah. and you kind of see tesla you know doing the same thing with with obviously um you know in in their wheelhouse with with yeah. cars and and you know um you but know, even at, batteries as they're well. at the forefront of basically three different technologies ai uh electronic vehicles and then battery tech so the fact that they're ahead in those three uh deflationary innovations is why that they're um, they're commanding such um, large price, and probably why they'll continue to go higher as well. I mean, you'll see volatility again coming back to the yields, the bond yields. Anytime the bond yield increases, growth companies like Tesla will have uh, a dip in price, but that'll just be short term because, in my opinion, I'll we'll continue to see those bond yields fall uh, as more and more money comes into the market. More money will go into bonds, driving those yields hot, uh, lower. Mm. And so because of that, your companies like Tesla, and this is why Kathy Wood is so bull, uh, bullish on companies like Tesla, because uh, they have everything going for them. And they've got a visionary as their leader. Uh, and they've got one of the best brands in the world. And do they have, they don't have many competitors. So they could easily drip feed this technology that they can um, gather over a few years and just then be like, let's do this, do that. Well, it's a completely different supply chain. So you look at a comp- like a competitor like um, Volkswagen, who owns Porsche, Audi, all of these companies. It's a completely different supply chain, mm. uh, electric vehicle compared to um, combustion engine. And so they've had to shift and, and in doing so, they have to spend so much money yeah. as well. And so because of that, Tesla's just, yeah, they're leaps and, yep. leaps and bounds in front. Mm. And they're probably not going to get caught up anytime soon. I remember um, I was on my honeymoon and I was in, I think it was New York, mm-hmm. and there was just a Tesla shop. And I'd never heard of what it was, what the brand was. We just saw one car and it just um, the showroom, nothing in it. Mm. Um, I don't even know if I had a person in there. <laughs> <laughs> and we just looked through the window and I just looked at my wife and was like, what is this? It's like, this is the future. Yeah, And it's... Like, this was only a few years ago. Mm. So, where they've come, and now you see nearly every third or fourth car, yeah. you'll see a Tesla. Yeah. So, they've just come so far, so quick. And the AI that they've got running based off all of the data that they're able to get from literally every single car that they have on the road, um, that's only going to improve their technology even further and, and their autonomous driving, which could potentially be, like, the next big game changer. Uh, that's where they're, they're really going to... Um, basically shift our current pattern in human behavior because currently we get in our car and we go we drive from a to b whereas with autonomous vehicles you can just hop in the back seat you can be more productive um, doing work or being on the phone or whatever the case may be and then it'll drop you off at your destination and then it'll continue on and it'll pick somebody else up and then that way you don't have to own a a car you don't have to worry about any of those things you don't have to worry about the insurance on it you don't have to worry about that um, asset d- 
depreciating uh, in price too, and so that takes away a lot of the headaches. And, and it, surely less um, car crashes. This is like rights it's law. It's safer too, exactly. This is rights law in, in action though, right? Like, you know, when we say that when the technology improves, it gets cheaper, we're talking cost of living. Like, you know, the way, the easiest way to think about it is like you've got the old system pulling one way and then you've got new technology pulling the other way and that's why we have this kind of stagnation in the middle, right? Where we're, you know they keep printing money to keep their system alive because everything they rely on, literally everything, if they didn't, their, their whole world would crumble. And then you've got technology over here pulling this way, making everything cheaper to the point where we talk about Tesla. Like, if you can kind of comprehend this, Tesla literally, like, think about Uber as a subscription, and that would be Tesla's business model. They just produce cars... Those cars drive autonomously around. But then what's the issue with Uber? The issue with Uber is the capital costs of having uh, to drivers. pay their drivers. Yeah, that's it's why so they're... expensive, that, which yeah. is why they're unprofitable. Tesla's basically saying, well, what if you don't have the driver? Then all of a sudden your margin goes up. But then also you've probably noticed that anytime you get an Uber... I mean, we haven't had to catch an Uber here in Melbourne for a while, but the price of Uber uh, has been going up because they have to factor in that cost. You get rid of the driver, all of a sudden... You those uh, those trips are going to come down in price. It's literally a subscription. Law. You know, like that, it'll be a subscription. You'll pay a subscription to Tesla. It might be, you know, it could be like 300 bucks a year, mm. right? Mm. But everybody in the world will do it. And as you said, it's safer too yep. because it takes away that, that um, human element. And this is where, like, you know, understanding rights law and understanding the possibilities is that you've literally got deflation and inflation pulling the world in two separate directions. You know well, the, I mean? only, the only thing that is deflationary within our system at the moment is technology and the productivity that comes from that. Mm. And so uh, I, I, I listened to another podcast recently and, and someone was saying, well, how do you fix all of this? And they basically said, look, like if I was the president of the US, I would just make it a tax haven for anyone who is innovating within robotics, EVs, AR, VR, AI, healthcare, genomics, these sort of uh, industries, I would just make it a tax haven for these sort of places to, or for these sort of uh, businesses and entrepreneurs to come and will help alleviate a lot of this thing. And another thing, like if they were to put something like uh, Bitcoin, for example, on the balance sheet of one of these big, com- uh, big countries that could potentially solve a lot of headaches too because all of a sudden now you've got an asset that's appreciating at basically the price of, of what they're printing money and so you're at least then Leveling staying out. on par. Exactly. Um, we won't see that from one of the big countries in a very long time when it's too late, but we're starting to see it now. We've, we're seeing pension funds who, as I said, they have to hold about 50% of um, their assets under management holding bonds. And now we've just seen the Houston Firefighters Fund come out and say that they've purchased Bitcoin and Ethereum. And you've seen it with PIMCO as well, another large fixed income uh, holding company come out and said they've, they've started purchasing Bitcoin. And so we're starting to see this. We're seeing companies like Tesla do it too because Elon, he came out and said the money that we've got sitting in, in euros is actually losing money. Mm. Because any sort of fixed income or any sort of uh, cash that you have holding on your balance sheet is basically losing you money in real real terms. And so this is why you, you've got to have your money working somewhere. 
you've got to have that inflation working for <laughs> you as opposed to going against you when you go out and purchase goods and services because that just obviously beefs up the balance sheet of, of those companies as opposed to putting that money back in your own pocket. Before we go into like the different, I guess, mechanisms or strategies that you know, people can look at and, and how interest rates and, and the kind of bird's eye view of, of how it's all being affected by what, I think like, you know, I, I, I just think about what, how different the world could look, right, on, on a different monetary system. You know, like, yeah. like let's just say Bitcoin was... Not the monetary system, but, you know, like that was put on balance sheets and it was, we started to go down that, that direction and we did have a different, maybe, you know, cryptography is the, or crypto is the new financial system, right? And we shift over to this because what we see is, right, we, the, the globe continuously get into more and more debt, right? That's, that's just kind of happening really consistently, right? We're just getting deeper and deeper into debt. It's like, well, you know, how do we get out of that debt? Or like how, because the reality is we have to go in the other direction, that's so the, that's they're, they're currently inflating that debt away. That is a very confusing topic, but essentially it, um, what they do is the, the money inflates to a point where um, basically they won't have to ever repay it again. They can basically declare bankruptcy. But typically, and Ray Dalio talks about this all the time, typically when we get to the end of a debt cycle like this, there's some sort of war or something like that going on. And we're seeing that now... Like we're seeing com- uh, countries like China sort of preparing for that. Like they're off buying ports and they're buying all of these gold mines and all this. Like they're buying up all the resources around the world. And countries like Australia, uh, European nations, the US, like they're sitting back not doing anything about it. <laughs> like <laughs> there's a reason why this is all happening. And the, the US is just losing uh, a lot of their power. Uh, the US dollar could potentially um it could potentially be uh what's the right word it may not be the reserve currency of the world um in the future and so it's going to continue to lose value against everything else and so we're seeing that now the u.s uh is no longer having countries like china or russia purchasing those bonds anymore because they they consider them worthless and so uh, with all of that happening, like th- you need to start looking elsewhere. And it, and it is it is all these other countries countries purchasing those bonds that keeps America in power, mm-hmm. right? And 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 because they're worthless now, other countries are catching on, and it's it's like countries are really trying to find competitive advantage mm-hmm. against one another. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I remember seeing a graph, and it's like China is quickly overtaking the US as in terms of growing, you know, uh, kind of growing economies and these kind of things. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. And another reason why they can't uh, increase interest rates, the moment they do that, their exports become less valuable too. And so you've got that, that weird dichotomy between do we, uh, we make our exports less competitive, but then we also get more foreign income coming into the country because if you have high interest rates, you'll have more countries wanting to come in and purchase those. But again, it's one of those things. If they do happen to increase interest rates, sure, you'll have that. Country becomes less competitive. All of the people within your, your country now are paying more on their, on their debt as well. And we've, we've seen how large the debt is. It's, what, 20 trillion or something in the US now. Crazy numbers. Here in Australia, we're seeing similar sort of thing. 
GDP to, you know what? to debt is just so high. It's kind of like, I almost think about this like, you know, someone who's got credit card debt. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, that interest becomes so much for the person that the only other option they have is to actually try to to, to increase their limit <laughs> on the credit card. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. that's how I view what's going on yep. right now with global debt and, and that's a good and way the, to put it. The actually. US debt. It's like you know, yeah. okay, you know, because I was in credit card debt. Like I, I, you know, I, I, um, I crashed a car and I went into like you know nearly forty grand debt. And it's like that interest like is fucking crushes you, <laughs> especially if you've you're only producing a certain amount of income. Exactly. And it's like the US. And so the best way to to overcome that is to try and increase your income. How do you do that on a country level? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's okay for us to go out and try to increase our income in order to pay that, uh, to pay all of that down. But then that also means you have to sacrifice on spending elsewhere. So instead of potentially spending more money on like going out to eat and all that sort of thing, like your lifestyle will reduce. Governments don't have a choice; they have to pay for infrastructure, they have to pay for hospitals, for roads, for um, for pension, for for retirees, and all these sort of. Th- they don't have a choice. They have to spend all that money, and so they're having to print this money in order to to lift the debt ceiling and all this sort of thing. It's literally like the single mum who has three or four young kids who's in thirty thousand dollars of credit card debt. Thirty, I'd say more like a hundred thousand. Yeah, but no, like let, let's just put it in terms of that person, right? So they might be in thirty to forty grand of debt, and they're making maybe sixty grand a year, and that interest on that debt. As it increases, the repayments increase, which takes away more of that income, which puts more pressure on her. She also has kids that she has to look after. She also has, and she rents, and she has rent, and rent's increasing at the same time. And my only other option is to go into more debt. Mm-hmm. Exactly so is right. It, is it like a never-ending circle? Yeah. It's that a what, debt spiral, and that's, essentially. That's what these countries are in. Yep. The yep. world. The world. <laughs> yeah. The whole world is in a debt spiral. <laughs> And that's why it's important for... But this comes back to the interest rates. The reason why there's so much debt is because those levels are so low. And so for a company... Like Apple has over $100 billion of debt on their balance sheet now, considering that they've got also over $200 billion in cash. Why are they doing that? Because they can. They can. It's easier for them to go and repurchase uh, their shares and increase the value of the, the price of those shares rather than paying that money out as a dividend or innovating and that sort of thing because they can essentially just come in, get debt, repurchase their own shares through buybacks, increase the price of those shares. Shareholders are happy. The, uh, the people within the company who own a lot of those shares are happy as well. And then in comes <laughs> the man with the biggest balls in the world, Michael Saylor, and instead of using debt to inflate their, his, the, the prices of his own shares. and Well, he did that too, but he, you know, did he, did, he went and bought you yeah. know, $1.5 billion or $2 billion worth of Bitcoin. Which That's is now doubled. Now tripled. tripled. It's probably tripled now, yeah. right? So, you know, and, and his, the, the, you know, the, the, the stock price, the market cap of his company is through the roof as well, mm-hmm. right? So, so yeah, we'll, we'll, the only thing that, so we, we will eventually start to see that in all these other companies, but for the time being, they can continue to go out and they can get debt and then they'll buy back their shares. And so that's where their incentive lies right now. Eventually, it'll come to that sort of strategy where they will be able to come out. The reason why they don't hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet now is 
anytime the price of Bitcoin goes down in price, because of accounting uh, standards, they have to report that as a loss on their balance sheet. They don't get to record that as an increase. They only get to report it as a decrease. And so this is why they don't currently report it because if they were to do that, shareholders would be unhappy. Uh, but eventually we're going to see a point where Bitcoin just continues to go higher and higher and then it's going to become basically um, fiduciary neglect to not have it on um, the balance sheet of these companies, especially if they're holding so much cash. We just want to say a big shout out to the to the goat, the god. <laughs> Which one is Michael this? Saylor? Michael Saylor. <laughs> <laughs> he's led the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, I mean, he's, he's given a free uh, solution for these companies uh, in order to go out and purchase them, without having to move the price of Bitcoin so that they can get in uh, at a small price. And he's given them the prime brokers to be able to do that. And so eventually we'll see more and more. We already are. We're seeing, funny enough, we're starting to see these pension funds do it. And they're, they're the big ones to, to sort of fall. Mm. Once, once your fin- fixed income market starts to realise that they're going to be receiving a negative yield on all of that money, you're guaranteed to lose money on any money that you put in bonds. They need to even it up. Yeah, there's a solution over here that <laughs> is doing quite well. Over here, guys. <laughs> All right, so how does the everyday person navigate this space then? Because that's a lot of really great information, but at the end of the day, we need to provide some information that allows these guys to make informative decisions. We've got to give them some financial advice. No, no, we, we don't... This, is, you know, this isn't financial advice. What we're going to do is just provide information, right? Like, this is the information. You've got to go away, do your own research, and, and it's up to you to kind of to go away and, and actually think about this because unfortunately we live in a world where this information isn't provided to the everyday person. You know, why doesn't the everyday person know about interest rates or, or pay attention to well, them? Well, they also, like you look at what's happened in the US, they've just recently uh, allowed a Bitcoin futures ETF to, to come onto market and over a billion dollars came into that in the first 24 hours. And it's interesting that they do that because the hedge funds actually make the money on that mm. because there's a thing called contango, which is the difference between the premium and then the actual spot price of that asset. And they're making the difference between those. And so the reason why the SEC has approved that is because it looks after the everyday retail Wall trader. Street. Yeah, it's, uh, but it, it just lines Wall Street's pocket. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous that they've gone out and done that, but... In their eyes, they're protecting people who don't know any of this stuff. And it just it's easy to go out and just purchase the asset yourself. Even though the UX, on, especially on the crypto side, isn't great and it can be confusing, once you get around that, it's, it's super easy. But if you were to ask me, definitely don't want to be holding any cash. Yes, have an emergency fund um, so that if... You were to go through a hard time and you, uh, whatever might happen, you've got something as a backup. But I would be putting that money to work. I'd be putting it in uh, an asset like real estate. I'd be putting it into something like Bitcoin. Uh, you can, you'll, you'll make money anywhere at the moment uh, just with the amount of liquidity that's in the market. There's such an appetite for risk because your returns on savings on cash is so oh, – it's, it's negative. So this is why we're seeing pretty much every market go up. And it's going to continue to do that as the interest rate environment is going to continue to stay low and we're 
going to continue to see more money come into the market. And so inflation is going to be seen everywhere. Like Jack Dorsey uh, last week, he came and said, this is a period now where we're going to see hyperinflation. And it's interesting that he has a company that has so many data points with Square. He basically the best data company. He's the he's in the box seat. He is, and he based on all of that data, he'll be able to see exactly what's going on within the economy. Literally, because Literally. And, and we're saying this because of small business. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Because he's got all of his payment terminals and all the software out there for all the small business. He's actually seeing what's happening in the economy right now, and there is hyperinflation. And hyperinflation is basically 50% inflation. I mean, we're, we're probably not there yet, but we are seeing it in some assets. And we could get there. We could get there, exactly. And yet, the government is saying that we're only at 5% and that it's transitory, that it's going to go away. And you have big, um, big funds like BlackRock saying the same thing. And we were saying this before. Why is BlackRock doing that? Like, they were saying that if we have uh, rate increases, the market will be able to tolerate it. No, it won't. Market will come down. What's BlackRock going to do? They're going to go out. They're going to borrow money. They're going to come in. They're going to buy up all the real estate. They're going to jack up their rents and then they're going to um, have all the renters come in uh, who have lost all their, their homes. <laughs> when you really look into it, you realise how corrupt the system is and, yeah, you, you need to find solutions to that. You need to find ways to make that work for you, not against you. And this is the thing, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I think of it from a perspective of like, you know, even just real estate in Melbourne, like, or, or you know, anywhere around the world. You think about like, okay, so prices prices increase, right? So we're seeing like places like, you know, we were talking about it before, like Airport West and and Sunshine and and these kind of areas. But these are areas that, you know, prior, you know, if you were to go back a year, you're probably paying what five, six hundred k for a house there. They're now up at the 700, 800,000 mark, which means that in order to get into those suburbs, you have to have a certain amount of money. You have to have a certain amount of savings, and you equity in. behind you and these yeah. kind of things. And it's like, okay, so what happens, what happens to those that do want to buy a home, right? They're, they're obviously forced out wider or first forced out, you know, to, to areas that aren't. And it's like, okay, well, th- that just keeps happening, right? That just keeps happening and happening and happening. And, you know, you're probably seeing developers who are going to come into these. They're the ones who are actually probably buying these properties, right, in these, you know, in these areas that you think about, like, what a million dollars gets you now or, or, or so on. They're probably going in and, and buying these as development sites and these kind of things. And what it really does is says that, you know, if you're, if you're someone who is on less income, if you're someone who probably isn't educated on investing or in investments um, or you don't have that kind of money, well, well, you're going to be forced to live in, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a you know, uh, an area that, um, or smaller. So you might have to live in, yeah, an apartment. An apartment you know, you might have to go to an apartment, or you might have to go to an area that, you know, is, you know, from a socio demographical point of view, you you're going to have to be forced out. And I think about networks, and I think about these kind of things, and how networks really drive development and growth and these kind of things it's 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 so interesting to think of it that way and how we look at and go okay well you know the rich get richer the poor get poorer but but the opportunities that come both of these different networks of people you know is different and and it's and it's and you know better ones come to these people lesser ones comes to these people and that's why fewer people from here actually make it and more people from here over here make it so 
you know, I just think about it from that perspective and I think about what everything we've talked about today and, and it's like, man, like if you're listening to this, you just really have to, to, to pay attention to this and really start to make, infor- you know, informed decisions on how you can get money to work for you because it is the, it's like, is it the seventh or the eighth wonder of the world? Like, is there seven wonders of the world? Yeah. I think seven. Eight. Cool. So this is the eighth, right? It's like... Power of compounding. Yeah, it really is. Because once you once you understand it and once you can start to get it to work for you, it's it's crazy what happens. Like, it's crazy. Because, I, I, you know, I'm probably pretty new to this. And when I say pretty new, like, I reckon maybe three, four years, you know. Um, but really the last year, truly understanding it, truly understanding how to navigate and move money around and, and get in and out of assets that are appreciating, you know, from stocks to crypto to property and these kind of things like you know properties one that i'm trying to get into at the moment just trying to figure out when where what's the right move and for unfortunately, us unfortunately you're just gonna have to suck it up and you're probably gonna have to outpay what it is that you want to pay yeah just to get into the market because everyone else is trying to do the same thing you're going to get outbid on just about every auction you go to yeah but you have to realize that property is a scarce asset there's only going to be so many properties here in melbourne and there's only going to be so many properties in the best suburbs in Melbourne. And so you have to get into those markets. And so, especially in a time like this where everything's just going to keep inflating, you kind of just have to get into it. Mm, and if, if you're waiting and you're just sitting on cash, you're just going to be left, left behind, unfortunately. But I think you said it before Not too. to put, like, I know that sounds scary and, and puts a lot of pressure on people to make decisions now, but... Mm. Unfortunately, that's the but, reality we live in. But that's that's why people listen to this podcast, right? Like people who listen to this podcast are already wanting to make that leap. They're already wanting to to take control for themselves. Like that's that's what this podcast is all about. That's why we brought it in, you know. Um, so I think you know, for anyone listening, it, it, it is scary, and you should think it's scary because if you don't, you're probably not paying enough attention because <laughs> it is, mm. you know. Mm. What are you going to say, Johnny? I just what you were saying before with you know you're learning how to move the money around from your stocks, your cryptos, you know, I think of real estate the same way, you know, you're not going to do a dumb investment in a property, but if it's not working for you, you can easily then, you know, offload it and then you, you probably not uh, give it a few years, you're going to make a bit of money, go on to the next one. You know, it's, it's, it's always a good time to buy into it. I know it's hard now, it's pretty up high, but yeah, that's my sort of view on it. Yeah, I think that's that's what you're doing, right? You, you really, when it comes to investing money, you, you're going, okay, well, what what's going to appreciate? How do I get this to appreciate as much as possible, um, and and make sure that it works for my lifestyle too? You know, like what do I want? What do I actually want out of life? You know, can I get something, an asset that's going to appreciate, that's going to allow me to have the life I want? And I think that's how really everyone should be making decisions. You know, does this give me? the lifestyle I want and a way to store value so that I'm not losing out on the the outside forces such as inflation and 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 so on so I think that's how everybody needs to look at it mm-hmm. absolutely it's all the all about the research in all of these aspects. yeah I think that's the biggest thing right it's like mm. one thing that we can all say here is that we do our own research you know so you're you're into property more so mm-hmm. but you, you you're kind of filtering around you know do your own research and be able to make those informed decisions because it's not a like I think that's probably one thing that people struggle with or, or probably where they make their biggest mistakes, you know, is like they're buying into something without understanding it and that's where you can get caught out, you know, because we do have cycles, you know, like, like there is cycles in every economy and, and they go down and up and, and even in business, I talk about this a lot, is like you can have a really good product 
in a in a negative economy mm. and you'll fail and you can have a really mediocre product in a booming economy and you'll succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's the same, you know, when we look at the different economic cycles, like, you know, especially with Bitcoin, right? Like people are buying into Bitcoin without truly understanding it, without even understanding that there are cycles that it goes through. Uh, and, and that's where you can potentially you lose a lot of money and you can, you, can, you can get caught out, you know? And that's probably what we're seeing with altcoins, right? People are just buying into these things without actually understanding that there's there's a macro view of Well, we've of just crypto. seen it with um, that Shiba Inu coin. Everyone was buying in at the top, and then Elon's just come out and said he doesn't own it, and it's had a massive drawdown. Yeah. Like, you, you've got to be careful. And, yeah. like, just don't FOMO into to things without doing any sort of research. You wouldn't go in and buy a house without doing the research on the neighbourhood. and The area. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe some people do. <laughs> But, I mean, you don't go into real estate thinking that you're just going to own it and flip it in a week or a month's time. Some people do, but I'm talking 99% of people. You go into it thinking that you're probably going to own it for the next 10 years. And so, yeah, you need to do the research. Mm. And uh, Warren Buffett always, he mentions if you, um, if you only had like 12 or 20 punch cards and you could only make 20 investment decisions throughout your entire life, you would do a lot of research into those 20 as opposed to just going in and doing like 20 all the time. You don't have, yeah, he's a, another quote from him. Which he's got so many great quotes. So many good ones. Um, but it's like, you know, you don't have to do too much right as long as you just don't do a lot of things wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's so true. I think of business the same. It's like, you don't have to do a heap right. You just, you know, if you make less mistakes, that's less time and money wasted and they're your two most scarce re- resources you know, exactly. um, as a human. So it, it's very interesting. And I think more people should be learning about investment, financial literacy, these kind of things, because they just can be so life-changing. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Game on. All right. Get out there. Get into it. Skin in the game. <laughs> Disco, what do you reckon? I think that's it. All about it? That's it. Get out there. You know, <laughs> That's a good time for it. Gonna be putting that money you got sitting there to work, aren't you? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Johnny doesn't work seven days a week for fucking nothing. <laughs> that's <right>? it. <laughs> but gonna, that's a good point, right? It's, it's gonna like, be good for something. You know, everybody works hard, right? Everybody works hard for their money. I I, I read. It, I think it was a quote last night. Someone put it on their story. It's like we live in this life. It's like we um like we get into debt. We work basically until we're seventy years old, and then we can relax. Then, mm. and it's like. We need to shift this, you know. We we need to, you know, we need to live, or we need to basically just live our lifestyle. You know, you need to work, you need to have an income. But why do we have to then relax at seventy? We should relax more when we're thirty-five, forty. And I think this is what crypto is going to show people. I honestly do. I, I think crypto is going to show people that you don't have to get into debt. You don't have to work to your seventy. And in fact, you can, you can, you can earn, and you can. Oh, I said it last week. You can, you can, your first experience in this world can be appreciation it changes that relationship that we have with money the money is one of those things that we we're so afraid to talk about because i don't know we we often compare ourselves to other people or we have those negative connotations towards it and yet it's one of those things we should all be talking about we should be having these sort of discussions with our friends and our family all the time because it should be something that's on your mind because um Unfortunately, money is one of those things that it sort of does dictate what we do from day to day. Uh, but if you you find a way to sort of um, 
make it work for you, it'll allow you to then have those assets of time and then allow you to pursue things that actually make you happy and you enjoy to do. And so that's what this is all about for us. You know, we have these conversations so that we can bring back time, we can pursue things that we enjoy doing, spending time with those that we care about and actually enjoying our lives as opposed to just working until we're 70 and then enjoying it. Like, what's the point in that? Working seven days a week. (laughs) (laughs) Just go. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I also think, like, you know, this is why there's, there's, there's probably some some good well, some 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 heaviness behind the idea that I think a lot of people will move to be self employed or a lot of jobs and, and the way people kind of work will be through self employed. We're already seeing it. Um a lot of, of that people lifestyle. a lot of people unhappy during COVID because they've had to work longer hours. They haven't been compensated for working those extra hours. Now all of a sudden they might find themselves in a position where they haven't been going out spending money on uh, restaurants and buying clothes and all that sort of thing. So they've got a little bit more money. They've got a bit more of a safety net. And so now they're going out and potentially looking at their own idea or uh, changing careers and all this sort of thing. And so, again, this is putting more pressure on on businesses and that sort of thing because now they're having to offer more people money. And mm. it's just, it goes around and around in a circle. Circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it, this is why I love what I do because it all um, it all has implications and it, it's all tied in to, to one another, you know. And so once you start to look at these trends and you can start to predict them, that's when you can start to really do well. Fuck yeah. All right. All right. That's Wrap it. That up. Wrap it up. Get your money in the markets, in, in a market. <laughs> Get it, get, do your research. Yeah, do not be holding cash. Don't, no. don't leave it in that bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, big thank you um, for tuning in. As always, really appreciative um, of every single one of you. Um, you know, it's crazy seeing the, the amount of listeners that are tuning in every week and, and watching the content and, you know, just... Uh, reaching out on social media, all the likes on, on the posts, the shares, um, you know, subscribing to all of our content. Like, it just helps us so much. It allows us to do more of it, to continue to have these conversations and to get guests in and to, you know, to, to bring other people into the network because as a whole, the more people we can get into the network, the more powerful it becomes the, and, and the more it will benefit everybody who's involved as well. So super appreciative to everyone um keep doing what you're doing keep supporting us because we love it um and it helps us and um we hope you enjoyed that episode and we'll see you next week hey guys so as we end today's podcast uh i wanted to say a massive thank you uh to you you've made it to the end so you've tuned into the whole episode which is something that we're extremely grateful for um if you're new to the podcast um Hitting the subscribe button is really, really important to us because it really helps us out a lot. The more subscribers we get, the more, um, you know, the, the bigger the community we build, the, the, the more that we can progress with our vision uh, and the more that we can start to expand and, and keep having, you know, these amazing conversations. Uh, so we're really thankful. Um, and one thing that we're also really thankful for, which, you know, has been a big driver for me personally with the podcast is just the messages that we get on the Instagram. I'm, I, I still go through the Instagram and, 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 and like to have conversations with people that uh, are engaging with us. Uh, it means so much and it's, it's great to hear the stories of people progressing and learning and, and how we're impacting 
you, the listener. Um, so that's something we're really appreciative of. And I actually want to go through and, and actually mention some people who we had some great conversations with on our social media. Um, and, and, you know, for, you know, these, these people reached out. So, um, Alicia Pyers, um, it was great chatting with you and I'm, I'm super appreciative for you reaching out, um, to the Instagram. Um, and, and it's great to, to hear your story and, and what's inspiring you and, and the changes that you're making. Uh, and also Jess Dinning. Jess was lucky enough to talk to you last week. Um, and that was really, really amazing. Um, and, and just the same thing goes the the conversations that we have with you guys, um, it's it's crazy um, the, how much of a, an impact it makes on us as 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 a as a company and and what we're striving to do. So um, a massive thank you to you two um, and everybody else who's reaching out and sharing and doing those things. Um, but the two things that you can do that will help us the most is make sure that you're subscribed and um, a big thanks to everyone who's leaving reviews as well because that shows people that this is a safe space for them to come and listen and learn and and that's really the most important things to us. Really hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will see you next week.